You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 70 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Talking Props. Talking Props is a punk band from Santiago, Chile. Heavily influenced by 90s punk, the five-piece band have just put out a five-song EP entitled The Void. To check out more about the band Talking Props, you can check them out on Facebook and Instagram at TalkingPropsCL, and make sure to check them out on Spotify. Now here it is, their new single, The Void. Oh! 
Hey, this is Grant from Delta Ray, and you are listening to That One Time on Tour. everybody out there in podcast land what's going on as always this is chris swinney your host for that one time on tour this is my podcast where i get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and uh, have a great conversation i'm a little under the weather today i uh i think i'm coming down with some kind of cold or something so i'm not my normal crazy self and i'm <clears throat> a little wheezy here and there but uh, I had to get this done. I wanted to get this done early because I have a lot going on this week. So hopefully you're hearing this early. Normally the podcast comes out on Wednesday, but hopefully this is coming out a day or two before that. But last week was great. Thank you so much for checking out my episode with Scott Radinsky from Poli. He was also a relief pitcher in Major League Baseball. Scott was an awesome guy. If you have not checked that out, listen to this episode and then go back and check it out. And we have so many awesome episodes. Go to our back catalog and check it out. This is number 70. Seven zero. That is crazy that we've done 70 of these episodes. This week on the show, I got to sit down with bass player for the gothic southern rock country, whatever you want to call it, band Delta Ray. I got to sit down with their bass player, Grant Emerson. We had a great conversation. We spanned so many topics in this conversation. This show does go on tangents quite a bit, and we tackled that. But we also talked about their new uh, crowdfunded, awesome new record that's coming out. They had the fifth most pledged fundraiser like ever in the history of Kickstarter. So uh, there's, there's a lot of good stories, and then it ties in with Taylor Swift and all kinds of crazy stuff. So uh, before I get to my conversation with Grant, I do need to tell you about my sponsors, as I always do. Really cool band at the beginning of the episode, Talking Props from Santiago, Chile. If you want to check them out, they're on Facebook, Instagram, Talking Props CL. And uh, they're on Spotify as well, so check them out. Really, really great band from South America. Uh, Merge 4, Sock Company. You guys know them. You guys love them. They have socks from the Circle Jerks and Sublime and Foo Fighters and Steve Caballero and all kinds of crazy cool socks. Head on over to Merge4.com or check them out on the social media platforms at Merge4. We are doing that contest. It's coming up on our Patreon, an exclusive Patreon-only contest for Merge4 where you can win some cool Merge4 swag. And uh, all you have to do to be eligible for that is sign up at the $5 level at our Patreon. Become a patron. It's patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast. I've been putting up some new stuff over there, and I have some bonus episodes I'm getting ready to post. And uh, it's, it's a really cool thing. So if you want to help out the show and win some cool stuff, head on over to patreon.com forward slash T-O-T-O-T podcast. Speaking of patrons, we have three new patrons this week. So I want to give a shout out to Jacob Johnson from Florida, Mike Wiseman from New York, and Zach Campone from New York. 
Uh, thank you guys so much for signing up and helping this show stay afloat and uh, helping us keep the lights on, man. So shout out to Jacob, Mike, and Zach. Thank you guys for being patrons. And um, yeah, the last last sponsor I need to tell you about, man. I'm I'm starting to feel really sick. The uh, the last sponsor I need to tell you about is Permanence Tattoo Gallery. My buddy Jacob Harrison over there at Permanence in Anderson, Indiana, on Meridian Street downtown. No better place to get your ink. If you are in the area, head on over to Permanence Tattoo Gallery in downtown Anderson, Indiana. You can get more information on Facebook and Instagram at Permanence Tattoo Gallery. As always, if you guys want to become a sponsor of this fine program, you can hit me up, podcast at gmail.com. I work with all budgets. I'm looking for cool bands, cool companies. Whatever you got, hit me up and we will make it happen. Make sure to follow us on all of the social media platforms. It's at T-O-T-O-T podcast. I hang out mostly on Instagram, but uh, we are. Facebook is 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 on, right on the back, man. Facebook's doing awesome. We almost have a thousand over on Facebook now. So don't sleep on Facebook. Head on over there and check it out. So I'm going to try to do this intro a little bit shorter. Uh, we're going to do a T-O-T-O-T radio segment. So cue the theme music. On this edition of TOTOT Radio, I am going to highlight a band that I absolutely love. I've been listening to for a long time. I don't think they ever got the props that they deserved. And uh, they just recently got back together for a reunion tour. And I don't think a lot of you out there that listen to this podcast probably know about this band. Unless you're from Australia, which is their native land. I'm talking about Paper Arms. They just recently did a reunion tour with Strike Anywhere over in Australia. And I love Paper Arms. I don't even remember how I found out about them. Somehow, I think Brian, my old bass player in the Ataris, had had their record or something, or I stole the MP3s off his computer. I don't know, but I've been listening to them forever. They've, they've got a lot of releases out, and they're just they're a killer band. Uh, Josh Mann, their singer and guitar player, was we are going to do an interview on Tuesday, but uh, I had some family stuff come up, and I had to push that out. But Josh is going to be on the show very, very soon. And I thought, what better way to prime all of you out there listening for his episode than by introducing you, if you didn't already know, to Paper Arms. So I'm going to play uh, one of their songs that I just really love. It's called Tanks of Dust. It is off their record, The Smoke Will Clear, from 2014. You guys need to check out Paper Arms. I don't know if they're going to get back and actually be like an active band or if it was a one-time thing. When Josh is on the show, we will talk about that, I'm sure. But Paper Arms is amazing. I love them. You're going to hear them right now. So here it is, Tanks of Dust by Paper Arms.
So there it was. Tanks of Dust by Paper Arms. Like I said, their singer and guitarist Josh Mann is going to be on the program very soon. So uh, check out all their stuff before he comes on the show. Become a big fan of Paper Arms like I am. You're not going to regret it. They're great. Okay, so that is the intro, guys and girls. And I am ready to go to my conversation with Grant Emerson from the awesome band Delta Ray. I am not feeling well. I felt a lot better during this conversation. So you guys are going to hear quite a difference in my voice, I think. But uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And, you know, I try to be open-minded, and I really like Delta Ray. I, I was, uh, when I used to work at the Hangout Music Festival down in Gulf Shores, Alabama, they played on my stage one time, and uh, they're great. I mean, I think good music is good music. This podcast concentrates a lot on punk and metal and hardcore and stuff like that, but, but man, good music is good music, and it doesn't matter. And Delta Ray is a stellar band, and you guys need to check them out. But I'm going to stop babbling. This is my conversation with Mr. Grant Emerson of the awesome band Delta Ray. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Mr. Grant Emerson from Delta Ray. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. I'm excited to have you on the show. I've, I've been trying to branch out. I know if most listeners out there will know that it's mostly punk and metal musicians on the show, but it's kind of cool. I, I like your band a lot. It's kind of got that country vibe. You guys are... Uh, from uh, North Carolina, correct? Yes, we were, uh, were. We were. The band was born in Durham, North Carolina, and then now we are based out of Nashville, Tennessee. How do you like it down in Nashville? You like it down there? I like it. It's um, it's hot. I would say uh, it's a. Uh, it's I don't know. It's like a hundred degrees yesterday. But I, I love the uh, I love the big city and the the inspiration is uh, is bountiful here. There's so many great musicians and inspiring people in the city that it's. Uh, I, I grew up in a small town and uh, it was easy to sort of uh, feel like a big fish in a small pond there. And moving to Nashville, it, it's it's the big serving of humble pie that I needed to be like, you know what? You you ain't shit. Well, <laughs> so. that's that's the thing growing up, you know, playing punk and metal like my dream and my my the friends of mine and my band, our dream was to move to Los Angeles. But when you live in Indiana, like I do, it's easy to get to that kind of the top of the mountain as far as bands go. You move out there and you're nobody right yeah and it's and it just seems like the game is so much more complicated you gotta it's a lot more networking and and uh right place at the right time shaking the right hands and it's it becomes much more than getting up on stage and playing music or playing music with your friends which is you know why we all started doing it in the first place yeah so i just wanted to talk about we met on twitter and yes. uh, the cool thing about that was you hit me up because you listened to the podcast and it kind of, I mean, I guess we have a lot in common because I mean, I know you play in a country band, but I've played in reggae bands and country bands and I'm, I like all kinds of music. So what made you get into the podcast or how did you find out about it? I, I found you, I was just thinking about that a minute ago. Uh, you interviewed and I can't remember his name right now and I'd probably destroy his last name, but the bass player from Thrice, I'm a big, uh, Oh, Eddie Breckenridge. Yes. So I was just, I think they had, they had released recently released some new music and I was just, I'm, I'm grateful that it's 2019 and there's podcasts out there that interview bass players. And, uh, and I found you and I was like, Oh, this is perfect. And, uh, and I listened to it. I mean, I do play in a country band, but it's also a little bit more, um, I would say we're more dynamic than maybe the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, cause there's a big heavy dose of Southern Gothic stuff and, and, uh, 
and the drummer myself grew up in North Carolina, so we're we're big. Him and I are both big, uh, like metal fans and North Carolina metal. Like we, uh, we've we. I think the band I've seen the most in my life is Between the Buried and Me, and uh, like he is legend. So there's all this kind of heavy element that the rhythm section of this group brings to um, to it. You know, we do we definitely do play country songs, but we also play like epic uh, murder ballads where it's a witch that is you know taking someone to you know to their death so i think yeah. that you know you know um but yeah it was just i looked you up on twitter found it listened to it and loved it and then i you know i've been uh keeping up with it as best i can um you know because i think it's i think what you're doing is cool well that that's awesome man i wanted to say my first experience with you guys um, if you listen to the podcast at all, you might've heard, I, I used to be in artist relations for the hangout music festival down in Alabama. And I know that you guys played the hangout fest. I can't remember what year it was. Do you remember what year that was? I think maybe we, we've played it a couple times. It might've been 2013 was the first year we played it. And okay. we even, we played like the pre-party show. And then we were, uh, with the big, like hangout sand hand statue is i don't know yeah. if it's there every year but we played that and we played it a, the, the year that tom petty kings of leon to stevie wonder headlined yeah that was my second year working for the festival i remember i think when i saw you guys was the pre-party because i was actually i wouldn't say the stage manager but i was the artist relations guy for that stage but i didn't that night i just kind of drank beer and watched <laughs> I mean, as you do when you're on the beach in Alabama. Yeah, I lived down there for about seven years, man, after I got that job. And I, I miss it sometimes. I, I've told the story on the podcast a couple of times about meeting. I met Tom Petty and he asked me for uh, if he could get some Coke. And I looked at him kind of funny and I said, like, like soda? And he goes, yeah, man, what do you think I meant? Oh, <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah. He's setting you up like that. I mean, when it's Tom Petty talking to somebody. Good. Yeah, he was I mean, totally <laughs> he was totally setting me up, man. But I just remember thinking the same thing that you just said, like you guys play country, but there's so many other elements in there and the harmonies between everybody that sings. I, I think it's really cool that there's there's three siblings in the group as well, right? Yes. Yeah, they're uh they're the very blonde, like Nordic looking people in the band and uh but yeah, they they grew up singing together um, in the Bay Area, and that's where they met the fourth singer, uh, Liz, and they grew up singing in acapella groups and then, um, you know, wanted to start a band. And um, yeah. So uh, how did, uh, I know that they had something kind of going, the band was kind of going before, and you joined in 2010. How did you come to find them or, or, or come to know them and join the band? I met them through Mike, the drummer, who is from where I'm from in Raleigh and grew up there. And I went to college in Wilmington and studied music and actually uh, was lucky enough to study under Steve Bailey for all the um, the bass heads out there that get into bass extremes and Victor Wooten. Um, but uh, studied with him, moved back to Raleigh and met Mike. And we, uh, you know, we met each other and sort of knew that, like, we wanted to be professional musicians, whatever that meant. I mean, yeah. we played in cover bands we played in we played this one uh like latino festival in, in raleigh uh with a singer from peru it was uh and like with people that have been on tv shows and then eventually because mike is a a networker way more than i am i'm very introverted i'm just like you he meets the people i'll show up and i'll i'll fucking nail the job <laughs> and uh so and then he met mike randomly or he met eric um at a at a at a party he was running sound at and then he brought me in to the band and and that was i feel like for me nine a little bit over nine years ago and it's been 
you know, I don't know, hold on to your pants ever since then. <laughs> so did they already have some interest where they signed? Like what kind of situation did you find yourself in when you joined? Um, it was still like, I mean, the, the band had existed for about nine months and they had, um, I mean, it was, I, I saw the band once before I joined the band and it was just like this, uh, I don't know, like jet engine of vocal harmony. I was like, I had never, it was like an overwhelming sensation, like in the best way possible. I was like, yeah. I had never heard any, anything like this. And like, and all the bands I had been in before then, like didn't, you know, it's like someone sang cause someone had to sing it because <laughs> yeah. anyone necessarily was a, was a singer. Um, so it was, that was really great in a way that, you know, and, uh, uh but they, we, it was like just regional touring. Like I think that we would like we would caravan up to New York every few months in like three cars because um, we didn't we didn't have a van at the time and um, and hadn't had hadn't made really any music videos. But we had just I think maybe I had been in the band for a year and we made Bottom of the River for like um, it was like a lot of pizza and a lot of favors and you know like two thousand dollars <laughs> and just a lot of eager people and that's really was the biggest calling card for us i mean that's what got us our um that's what got us our first record deal we it somehow made its way to seymour stein who was like a legend um who signed madonna the ramones and the talking heads and uh you know so that somehow got us into rockefeller center playing in his office wow you know um that had yeah, to be nerve-wracking right oh uh, it i mean uh it's it's nerve-wracking and and to to the like uh the millionth degree because i also have like uh severe anxiety so that i think maybe i should have picked a different job but uh <laughs> yeah but just like being in a record executive this you know this very old wise man in his office and just playing a song and I'm like keep playing more keep playing more and uh so we played for almost an hour for him and and, and then had an offer you know from them in a couple months a couple months after that and uh, that's really what launched us what got us on to uh you know, VH1. We played Jay Leno, um, played Conan O'Brien. It was a, it was a, it was you know a lot to keep track of, and also you know keep track of who you are as a person because that yeah. shit happens. And then you go home, and people look at you different, and you're just like, I'm still the same guy who wants to go eat some Mexican food with you. If that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, you guys signed the Sire Records in 2012. That was the first record label, right? Yes, and we and we we crowdfunded that record um we did a kickstarter right right before we signed with them and uh and when we signed with them they bought the record and, and released it wow that's yeah, that, it, that's awesome man yeah so that that was uh that was the first one and then we released a second record with them in 2015 and we recorded that with with a few producers rob cavallo um another intimidating behemoth in the music industry yeah, i don't but, even i don't even know what i would do i've worked with some producers man but like getting in the studio with rob that would be insane oh i mean it was it was at his house in calabasas and like you're just there's this huge wall of guitar it's just like one of those things where i'm like and i'm from like this small town outside of raleigh yeah like i never i thought i was just like gonna be because why when i joined delta ray i was a guitar teacher in like a an after school uh, program, you know, teaching kids how to, you know, play ACDC and stuff, which was very, which was fun. I, I do that was, for a living now, actually. <laughs> and I, I mean, and now, I mean, and I think it's, and I think it's rad and amazing that even today, kids still go back to like that rock and roll. And, and, and I also teach, um, uh, when I'm off the road, I, I love it. I think it's fun, man. 
Yeah, I have a I have a summer camp for kids and a workshop in the wintertime where we put bands together as well. So like my my full time gig, I have 70 students a week that I teach private lessons to. And then uh, every two or three months we do a workshop where we have 20 or 30 kids and we put bands together and have a big concert for their parents. So it's I'm way into music education. That's my whole thing was, you know, I have I have kids now being on the road doesn't really work for me. But I, I always wanted to, to do something in music to make my living. I didn't want to go work at a bank or something, you know. Right. Yeah. And it still feels like you're, you know, you're still. And, and also that like provides a huge stability because some of the people like one of the guys in the band has a uh, almost a two year old son. And my partner has a three year old. And it's just like we. uh you know, you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of more stability. Cause it, yeah. you know, at first joining a band, it feels like you're being a pirate. You're just like, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm not good. I don't want any bills. I'm going to go, you know, eat at the truck stop. And then that, that works for a little bit. And then you're, you get old and your back hurts. <laughs> well, yeah. I remember like when I was young being on the road, I would just, you know, put stuff in storage or just like, like quote unquote, live at my mom's because I was on the road so much. I didn't want to pay rent for a place I was never going to sleep in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, but then yeah, things priorities change, and you're like, you know what, I I want to I want a quiet place to come home to, and because yeah. you know, because it's it, you know it's it's cool, it's rock and roll, but it's loud, and you're you know. Um, so. <laughs> well, and I I just I, I respect everybody that can do it, but as far as I'm concerned, like I just don't think I could go on the road. My my kids are little. I've got a three year old and an almost two year old. And I just, I get offers a lot to go back on the road and sometimes the money is good. Sometimes it's not, but I just, I don't know, man, leaving for more than a few days. I just, I just don't know if I can do it, but I respect anybody that can do it. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, and also you've got, I think it's, it's, I think it's rad that you've got the ability to say no to it, you know, because yeah. that way you can, you can be, it's hard. Be, it's it's yeah. hard sometimes. Like I got an offer a few months ago to go to Australia for two weeks. I'm like, Oh, that'd be so great. But I, I just couldn't do it, man. Yeah, it's like, but can my kids come? Yeah, you know? can my um, kids and my wife? Can we have our own bus? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm excited. We're we're playing uh, the train cruise uh, in February of next year, and like we're able, you know, we're lucky enough to have to where we have some space available where we can bring significant others, and, yeah. and that, and that's what sort of makes it fun, and, and like where you can bring them along for that ride, and so they can sort of see, they can see behind the veil a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, man. We always yeah. we always had a rule back in the day, like, you know, because nobody had kids. Nobody really was married at the time. It's like no wives or girlfriends. But now that I'm, you know, 40 years old, if I was on the road, it'd be really nice to have my kids and my wife and do normal things. You know, you see those pictures of like Metallica, they're on tour in Europe and James is coming out of like a store with his wife and a bunch of like bags because they went shopping. Like that'd be cool if you could afford to take people everywhere you went. But I've never been in a band where the money was quite that good. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I think that, I think that that's, those opportunities are few, you know, few and far between just because it's like, it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot harder to make, you know, to make money. And then, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's unless you get those mega hits and then, yeah. you know, you, um, which I guess in a way we all sort of hope for hope for some magic to, you know, to strike. Well, I mean, we, we all know that, you know, nobody's living off their Spotify streams. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They, you know, and like, I always think about that interview with the black keys where they talk about their parents were mad at them for saying no to a, like a mayonnaise commercial placement. And they were like, you could have made my whole salary in a year 
for this one spot. You know, it's times are different now, I think. You know what I think is crazy is like, you know, bands, I, I have, I have friends in bands that have had two, 300 million streams and like each member of the band got like $2,000, but then you've got like my kids being toddlers, they watch YouTube all the time and you've got these kids on YouTube that just play with toys. And I went and I Googled it and like, they're making $80,000 a day off of YouTube because they have so many views. I don't understand that. Yeah. I don't understand that how that money is just out there to yeah. be, to be made, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe I'm stupid for not figuring it out. Uh, well, I, I have that. an ethical problem because my wife and I are like, you know, when our kids get older, we'll just start doing YouTube videos. But then I'm like, are you, is that a good thing to do? You're going to make money, but are you exploiting your kids? Like, it just feels like a really weird, slippery slope, you know? Yeah, it does sort of, it, I guess it, there is ethics in that where you're like, what kind of, you know, it's like, what kind of life is it? And then you're already pushing them into like the, uh, that emotional cycle connection with the internet, which yeah. I don't know for, for, I think for our generation is complicated because we, we remember a time, you know, to date ourselves before the internet existed. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so strange because I know that like when I, for the podcast, for example, like I treat it like I'm promoting a band. I have an Instagram and a Facebook and all this stuff. And sometimes I'll post something and I'll get like, you know, 200 likes and then I'll post something and I'll get two likes. And I, I feel weird. Like it's this weird emotional thing that I don't think people used to have to deal with on a daily basis, right? Oh, I totally, I totally agree. And it's like, what could be different between those two posts? Absolutely, absolutely nothing. And then it's just the the algorithm that you know, yeah. Big Brother's controlling. So, <laughs> okay, so we'll get back <laughs> yeah. into some music yeah. talk. Yeah. So I was very interested. I know that you guys uh, in 2013 did a new version of the song "If I Loved You." And I read that Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac actually played on it. Is that true? And if if so, how did that happen? That is true. Um, the story is a little bit of like, uh, you know, it's not what we wanted to be. Where we were, um, we've never met Lindsey Buckingham, oh, but man. we were, um, we were, we had just been signed to Warner Brothers Records, and we were working with Rob Cavallo, and we we were just trying to like rework this song because you know warner brothers really believed in it and thought that it had hit potential and um so we were trying something new and we we were on the way you know we were back in los angeles um and we get to the studio and rob's like you know did um i can't remember the the person who brought us to the studio was like did he tell you who the guest on the track is and we're like no we have no idea what, what are you talking about and uh he's rob asked us you know do you guys know fleetwood mac and we're just like <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hi, Rob. Yes, we do know Fleetwood Mac. He's like, well, my buddy Lindsay was over here the other day, and we're just like, mother, what? <laughs> and you know, and apparently Lindsay was just over there because because Rob and Lindsay have worked together on yeah. his his solo records and Fleetwood Mac records. And uh, Lindsay asked him to play some stuff that he was working on, and Lindsay was on the couch playing this thing called a Griffin, which is like this not a mandolin, but not a ukulele kind of thing. And uh, he just played this part, and Rob was like, I like that let's put it down and uh so that's how it happened that that's crazy man i mean yeah yeah it, it's insane that you know your your band has a song with lindsey buckingham but you didn't get to meet him i mean is there you think there's any time in the future where you guys could maybe set up like a play date or something <laughs> uh, right i mean i i i hope so i mean i think uh i think it would be it would be rad to do i mean i i think fleetwood max in a interesting play in an interesting uh permutation of itself right now with mike campbell um, yeah yeah uh you know helping fill his shoes um 
but I guess a different, I could, I could pivot and say that we have met, uh, Don Henley. Um, <laughs> I have a, I have a history with Don Henley. Yeah. I feel like you've got to, um, <laughs> Do you want to go first? Or I- <laughs> well, no, you, you can talk about Don Henley. I just, I, I joined the band shortly after kind of that song was a thing. And uh, mm-hmm. there, there are these stories though about, uh, well, Chris Rowe, the singer of the Ataris back in the day, I guess Don Henley wore a shirt that said, who the fuck is somebody? I can't remember what artist it was. So then when Chris played this big festival, when the song had gotten big, he had a shirt on that said, who the fuck is Don Henley? And Don Henley thought he was like throwing shade and there, there was some weird stuff for a while, but I came in right at the tail end of that. So, Oh man, I feel like I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be kind of funny, but, uh, but we, um, we met Don because he, our, we, our song bottom of the river was on Sirius XM, uh, spectrum channel. Okay. And, uh, and he just, he liked the song and somehow got a hold of us. And, um, we, and one of the two, like the singers to come in and record, uh, on a, a record he was making. Uh, and the song that they ended up recording was part of a batch of songs that was on a record called, uh, cast country. And, um, the Delta Ray, you know, edition song didn't make that record. So I don't know where that is, but it was, um, it was wild. I mean, he comes out to shows and whenever we play Dallas and, um, that's awesome, man. It's, 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 it's very, um, I don't know. It's, it's wild to think it's another one of those things where I'm like, man, I never thought I was going to be like sitting in a waiting room. And then I hear a person walk in and I'm like, I, and I'm like, I'm not ready to look at him. Cause I'm like, that's Don Henley standing there in a long trench coat. And sure enough, it is. Well, Hey, ne- next time you see him, ask him if he enjoys the house that our, so- our cover bought for him. Oh, right. Gosh. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm just kidding. Don, <laughs> I know you're not listening, but if you are, I love you, man. Thank you. Yeah. He's, he's a, uh, he's been a big, uh, source of like guidance and wisdom for us. I mean, just dealing with, uh, you know, the music business. It is now 2024 and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? (laughs) So do we. Why don't you come over and check it out? And stop listening to other podcasts. Thank you. So you guys, I know you guys do a lot of fest. We talked about Hangout Fest. We talked about, uh, you know, you did all the TV stuff. You played Lollapalooza in 2014. Now, was that the Lollapalooza in the States or was the one in South America? That was one in Chicago. Okay. Um, and that was like we... Um, we had just gotten back from doing uh, Armed Forces. Sorry, it's storming. I don't know if you can hear the thunder. Um, uh, we had just gotten back from uh, like Bahrain and Djibouti um, do, playing for the Do you know what soldiers. the capital of Djibouti is? I do. It's it Djibouti. Djibouti, Djibouti. <laughs> Djibouti. 
Yeah, we played Camp Lemonier there, um, and it w- and uh, we were in Bahrain during Ramadan. It was like it was an incredible experience. And we just fly over to Chicago and immediately go on stage, basically at Lollapalooza. And it was like it was one of uh, one of my favorite festivals um, we've ever played. Man, it's I mean Chicago. It's in the summer. It's hot, sweaty, um, and the people are so into it. So you guys, in 2014, it must have been a pretty busy year for the fest because you said Hangout Fest, you played Lollapalooza, and I also saw that you did the 29th annual Farm Aid. Can you, uh, you have any tidbits or some good stories from Farm Aid? Um, well, Farm Aid was the first, I guess, one of the first shows I ever got my parents to go um, backstage at, and it's at Walnut Creek Amphitheater, which um, is like where I grew up going to see like the Almond Brothers. Um, you know, every year I go see the County Crows there. And, uh, and I just remember my, my dad is like this sort of, um, he'll have an experience about something. And then two weeks later, he's ready to tell me how he feels about it. Like it just takes him a while. Um, and I just remember him walking by, like him walking past Neil Young and just being like (laughs) shake, just sort of nodding his head. Like, yep, that's pretty cool. And, uh, but it, but for me, it was amazing. And it was a great, like, we've made some really long friendships with uh with jamie johnson and and also like being on stage with willie nelson it's just um i mean maybe i'm an idiot but i'm just sort of like there's there's these things that i'm you know telling you right now that i'm like i never thought would happen that i'm you know oh no dude it's it's anybody i mean i totally feel it. anybody in music that has any sort of success i mean you know if you listen to the podcast you know that i bring up metallica quite a bit i remember i remember when i met them and told them about, you know, the band I was in and, and they talked to me like, I mean, it's, you can go to a meet and greet and meet somebody that you like, but when you're actually, I don't know, when you feel like you belong there, it's, it's a whole other thing. And then when you think back about it and all these experiences that you've had, it's kind of mind blowing. And the fact that you were on stage with Willie Nelson, the fact that your dad was in the same vicinity as Neil Young, that's insane. Yeah. You know, and I'm just, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's so far removed from like, you know, playing the chili peppers version of higher ground in my bedroom <laughs> yeah. thir- 13 times in a row, you know, um, by the, by the way, how did you get into bass? I always, always find it interesting because with, with me teaching, I teach bass and guitar and most of the kids that come to me, they all want to play guitar. And then some of them moved to bass or whatever. But how did you pick that? When and what age were you when you started playing bass? Uh, I started playing when I was sixteen, and I I picked it because I had two really good friends in, in high school that both played guitar and wanted to start a band, and it was either drums or bass. And I was like, my parents more into me playing bass. Yeah, you can wear headphones, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can play it in my room, and I can put headphones on, and no one knows what's going on. And uh, and also I was a huge, Mike, the, the Chili Peppers are my favorite band of, of all time. And I just, I loved, uh, especially like just, I mean, I like, I love the Chili Peppers music, but I also love, uh, Flea is a big inspiration and, and is, um, do you follow him on Instagram? Cause he's awesome. I do. I'm so, I, I mean, I pre-ordered his book the, the day that it was announced and I'm like just patiently waiting for it to come out. But I, I, I love, I love the energy that he puts out there and the sensitivity he has and, um, it's uh it's great i i actually that's another thing i got to meet him at uh austin city limits when he was on tour with adams for peace i saw that picture i was kind of when we started talking about this i went through your pictures either on facebook or instagram and i saw you with flea i'm like that's amazing yeah it was a 
where um, I knew there was a potential for him to be there just because Adams for Peace was playing. And uh, and I was out watching Wilco with the drummer and then my phone just starts going like off like crazy. Like everyone in the band is like, you know, text me, Grant, flees backstage, flees backstage. You have to come back here. And I look at Mike and I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I have this idea of how I want him to meet, meet him. Like I want him to be side stage watching my band and just be like, that's awesome. And uh, so I, Mike, you know, almost, you know, getting in a fight with me. was like, you're going back there to meet him. And I, I, you know, he's like, you're going to do it. That's like, we, we, we sort of push each other to meet our, our heroes whenever we're feeling timid about it. And, uh, I, I found him and I was like, he was like on his phone. And then I just waited for him to finish. And I literally walked up to him and said, excuse me, Mr. Flea. Um, you're a, you're a big, you know, inspiration and fan. And I have a chili peppers tattoo on my arm and showed it to him and, you know, got a picture with him and it was, uh, it was pretty rad. You know, I think it was, it was, again, it's another one of those things from, man, never thought that would happen. Have you ever seen, uh, his film debut back when he was super young in that old punk rock movie, Suburbia? Oh, I don't know if I've seen Suburbia. I'll have to add that to the to watch list. Yeah. He has a, he has a pet rat in the movie. He's one of the punk kids that like lives in the, the old, like abandoned house. That's right. And I think he's probably, I think he's like maybe 14 or 15. Like he's super, super young in the movie. He's got a shaved head, but it's, it's him, man. That's right. I mean, I love him in, uh, the big Lebowski. And, oh yeah. And, uh, and he was also in back um, to the future, man. Yes. Back to the future. Or back to and the future two, I guess is the one he was in. He was, uh, played needles. He played Marty's boss. <laughs> yes. Gosh. Yeah. It's so, it's so funny seeing him play these really like mean, intense characters and, you know that he's the sweetest re- guy in the world, right? Yeah. You know, in reality, like the dude is just like bubbling over with love for I- any and everyone. So there, there's some video. What was it? I'm trying to think. Uh, there's a, there's a movie called the other F word. It's a documentary about like punk rock musicians and just musicians in general and, you know, being fathers and he's on that as well. And there's this scene where like his daughter's playing piano or he's playing piano or whatever, but he's just like, staring at his daughter and then he starts crying like he just seems like he's the nicest guy in the world yeah i i mean i've i i love that movie i i was uh, i thought that was such a uh, a rad like pers- you know context to just put like where it's like all these all these guys are like you know they're like i never i didn't think i was gonna live this long and yeah and this this was gonna happen and i was gonna turn out life was gonna turn out to be this way and uh it's cool it's just humbling to just realize that, you know that the musicians and all or the people that we idolize are they're you know, at the, at the crux of it, they're, they're people too, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with this podcast, you know, like you and I've never met, I I've seen your band at, at a festival or whatever, but you know, there's, there's people on this podcast that I haven't met that I get really scared to talk to like Matt Penfield, you know, 120 yeah. minutes rock and roll hall of fame. Like he f- was the guy that told me who to listen to growing up he came on the podcast and five minutes into the conversation, I felt like I was just talking to my best friend. Like it's, it's so, it's such a nice, like kind of breath of fresh air. I haven't had anybody on the show yet. That was a prick. Like everybody's been super, super cool. And even guys that I thought, you know, I just, I have this weird, like anxiety about talking. Like, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? It it turns out great. So yeah, when you meet, they tell you not to meet your heroes because you never know how they're going to be. Like I was so worried when I met Metallica for the first time that they were going to be pricks and then it was going to ruin my entire childhood. But 
they weren't. I mean, I know there's stories like that out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. And that's, I mean, but that's, I guess that's the risk you got to take. You got to sort of, you know, you got to take your own advice and be like, well, this is, I have the chance to do this. So I, you know, it could go either way. And, uh, and I, I do feel bad. My heart goes out when people are like, oh, I met that person. They're an asshole. And I'm like, man, you met somebody in one moment, in one instant. And well, who and we, knows we what? talk about that on the show as well, because, you know, everybody on the show is a touring musician for the most part. You don't always have the best day when people catch you at a certain time. It, I mean, you could be the nicest guy in the world, but they catch you at a time where you're not feeling that great. You've been fighting with your significant other on the telephone. You didn't sleep. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're not a ray of sunshine every day on the road, right? <laughs> Oh no. I mean, I, I definitely have, I think I have the reputation for being the grumpiest one in the band for sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, and we're having this conversation. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, you can, you know, the, the, you know, when we, when we, we drive ourselves, we have like a sprinter van and trailer. And so, you know, it's, it's very, um, you know, it, we, you know, we're, we're, do, we're doing the work, you know, um, so it's easy to get worn down, I guess I could, I should say. Is there anybody in the band that does most of the driving? Cause every, every time I've been, been in a band that toured that we didn't like have a bus or we didn't have a driver, there was always like the one guy who kind of tends to drive more. Yeah, that's me. Um, that's you. Is it, yeah. is it because you, you're like a control freak? Because I've been in bands with guys before, but they're like, I just, and if we have a wreck, I want it to be my wreck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I mean, I, knock on wood. I haven't, we haven't been on in, in any wrecks, um, that's, that's but good. It, that's good. But it's, I think it's mostly, um, I think I would, you know, I would say this to maybe, I would say this to the whole band and see what, see what sort of reactions I got from this or, or, you know, shit I got for it afterwards. But I think I'm the best driver and I drive the fastest. And, <laughs> uh, and I also just feel the most, I mean, I, maybe this control, I feel the most secure and safe when I'm driving and maybe a couple other ones. Um, okay. But, uh, but that's really it. And also it just, it just, there's all these, like, uh, it just takes out a, a, a question of playing chicken with each other every morning. I'm just like, I'll just get in the driver's seat. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to play chicken with you today, you know, uh, with this particular thing. But, um, but yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> so I wanted to talk about this one thing, uh, that's been in the news recently. I know you guys are crowdfunding this new release. You're independent again. And uh, you were on the Big Machine label group. You signed with them in 2015, I'm pretty sure. When you announced that you were leaving that label was when all this Taylor Swift, Scooter Braun thing happened. How did all of that, I mean, I know it affected you guys. I read about it in Rolling Stone. But, like, what all happened there? You guys had already decided to leave the label, correct? Yes. I mean, we had already left the label. It was We had been planning on um, announcing, like, that we were independent and that we were releasing uh, a Kickstarter to, uh, to fund a new record on July 1st. Um, you know, because it's like, it's close to independence day. And it's also like, it was just like, it was a, it was a date that was far off enough to where we were like, we can hit this target and we can do it. And, um, and we like the day before we had a, we were off, we had an off day and then like this news comes out and we're just like, you know, what is going on? And, uh, and the and whole the it, whole thing was like she wanted to buy her masters or something, correct? Yes, she wanted to buy her masters and and own her music, and then it effectively like you know the the person that she built her career with sold it to someone that uh, I, I yeah she says she's been bullied by like that she doesn't yeah. like it leaves a really bad taste in her mouth that like she didn't get 
the opportunity to own her stuff and now someone that she doesn't get you know doesn't like is going to be uh profiting from her her music and uh so i mean that that all happened and like we you know and it's just and uh and then all, i think the next day is when we, we we announce and then all of uh all the swifties are sort of searching to see that we've you know that we've we've left the um the label and uh and the and Swift, they sort of swifties if people don't know out there are taylor swift's fans right Yes, they're they're her fan. They're like her army of like super passionate fans, and uh, and it and it in a in a great way, it's exposed us to to meeting all these people that are just like really, they're just like hardcore music fans, and that's like, um, and they're also on the internet, which I think is like being a hardcore music fan and also being good at the internet don't necessarily like line up um, yeah. as far as like cross sections of personalities, and uh, so they they were able, they were into championing us as a way to like, uh, you know, sort of give the finger to the, to the man, you know? And, um, and I don't know, we were super grateful for it. It's just a random serendipitous thing where the cosmos was like, this will sort of line up. And, and you guys uh, had, you guys had a $30,000 goal for the Kickstarter, which is a pretty modest goal for a Kickstarter for a new record. Where are you guys at right now? Cause it's something crazy, right? Yeah. I mean, that was what we, we, we raised 30 grand on our, for our first record, our first Kickstarter that we did in 2011. And right now we're at $330,000. <laughs> so you guys are going to do a double album? <laughs> uh, we're, yeah. I mean, we had, a, we're going to do, we're doing more than that. I mean, we have two records planned and then we have, we're going to do uh, music video, like a certain number of music videos. I think uh, two, it's like two or three right now per record, but it was, we had a goal of like 30 grand for one record. 60 grand for two records and these are these are both like they're called the light and the dark where it's these two major sides of of my band of like the light which you know i would think you could maybe say is a little bit more country pop like uh like sunshine stuff and then the dark is just like you know it was like otherworldly like stuff that you're like where did this come from and uh and the, yeah, the, the name Delta Ray kind of has a an air of that as well. Is it, can you tell me the story about that? So that the name came actually the the siblings' uh, mother is an author who's been uh, who is writing a book and uh, about this uh, this girl from the south who um, in a, an attempt to like rescue her father is uh, awakens the Greek gods and uh, and she's from the south and the, so that's where like the Delta and the Ray is a little bit with the Greek pulling those two together and they just, I guess they picked the name before I joined and they, they just, you know, stole it from, uh, from their mom. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe it's in a, it's a, a long, uh, preemptive, uh, book tour for her whenever she finishes it. Cause I think she's in the, she's in the process of, uh, of ed- the second round of edits for the book right now. So I'm, the siblings have read it, but I haven't read it and I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, that's, I, I like the fact that, you know, people that dig Taylor Swift like your band, but you guys seem to have so much more depth and like just more art going on in your band. It's not just a pop country thing. Like there's all this deeper kind of seated stuff in the band. I really think that's, that's admirable. That's really cool. It's like you guys take everything super seriously. Yeah. And I think for for better or for worse, I feel like with a lot of like mainstream music now, it's like, you know, I think I think all the music has its place in the world, but like it feels like a lot of stuff now is like Friday night, Saturday night music, where you're just like, you know, sort of like I'm just gonna get hammered and have a good time, which I think, you know, 
has its place, but like yeah. we, we, ver- we very much are earnest and, you know, we have, we, we, you know, we have songs that are political and, um, you know, and, and stuff like that, where it just feels like if, if we're, if you're not talking about the state of the world right now, it, it's, uh, you're sort of like, you know, tacitly agreeing with it. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I just figured with, you know, the current administration, there'd be a lot more punk rock out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's like that's I I totally agree, and I'm uh, I I feel like that's I was like man maybe this is the solace that I can pull from this administration is that we're gonna have a lot of great art that comes out and yeah. uh, you know and and I think that it's happening but it's not it's not it's it's great but it's not satisfying because <laughs> it's <laughs> we're still we're still living through it but yeah I mean we have we have uh, we released a song uh, called Hands Dirty that's about the Me Too movement and it's it, you know and it can. If you dive, and I think that's what's so great about um, just to pump up the songwriters in my band, it's like you can you can listen to the song and like like it just for the you know for the groove or the beat, which I think a lot of people likes music for. But if you want to dig into the lyrics, um, you know they'll go with you. They're not shallow, and um, you know and that one's that one's just like a, a, in a lot of ways not about getting your due, like where you're like I work hard, but I'm still not getting you know what. I should be getting and, and, and being valued the way I should be. And, uh, do you ever feel like, you know, in the genre that you guys, you know, I identify with being, I mean, closely pop country. I know there's other stuff going on as well, but you know, all the trouble the Dixie chicks got in back during the Bush administration. Do you, do you ever feel like you have to kind of watch what you say around certain people because of certain, I guess, stereotypical people that might like your music. I mean, is that a thing? Do you even know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we were, we were especially sensitive to that whenever we were traveling uh, internationally and giving like interviews. Cause I think that was also something that, um, we, you know, we talked about it a lot. We would, we, we were very like, you know, those, those, you know, eight hour, 12 hour drives in the van were, you know, sort of talking about stuff. Cause we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're walking the right sort of, we're striking the right kind of tone, but I mean, we are, um, I guess we are particular and certain, certain like being careful about it, but at the same time, we're, we're, we're getting up and, you know, talking about, um, you know, we have a song called all good people. That's about, um, it's, it's talking about how it's, it, the song was written right after the Charleston massacre shooting happened where, you know, a white supremacist came into the church and killed nine people. Um, and we, we talk about that and we, and we, and we speak in plain language, um, and, and saying that, you know, that, that, that it's not, that it's not right that we don't believe in it. And we believe, uh, that we, you know, we're, we're all the same. We have to lift up these people and treat them equally. And, uh, and I think, um, I don't know if we're, we're not necessarily getting up on stage and, and, uh, you know, saying fuck Trump. We're not saying that <laughs> you, you um, guys aren't the country anti-flag. Right. I mean, I think, I mean, I think we, we are in a, in a sense that there's, there's, you know, there's, there's women on stage, which in country music is, is uncommon. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, country music, it's, it's a lot harder for women artists to succeed. And, uh, so in, in that, I mean, it already feels punk rock to, to be, to have like female fronted band in country that is also, um, you know, just up there, just like shredding stuff. I mean, it's like, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if you like look up a video of us playing hands dirty, you put that next to a, like a, a country artist of our same caliber. It's like, we, you know, I will say it. We, we, we mopped the floor. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, with that kind of stuff. Well, that's awesome. And I just think it's, 
it's, you know, it's cool that you guys are in a genre where stereotypically it would be, you know, make America great again. And all I mean, you know what it's like, cause you, you live in Nashville. I live in Indiana. It's pretty, pretty similar. But the fact that you guys speak out on issues that you feel strongly about, even if what you're saying about the issue isn't maybe popular in your genre, I, I really respect that. Yeah. And I think it's just trying to, and I think that that's the great thing about, or I'm hopeful that it is the great thing about music and art. It's like, that's something that like, that can that is like I think an invitation for people to listen to the other side or listen to a different opinion. You know, um, yeah. I mean, like the other day we were playing a show and there was a guy that was the MC that was wearing a Confederate flag shirt. I was just like, I was like, this this isn't what we signed up for. And I was like, I you know, I was like, well, I I forgot to bring you know because like on on stage like we'll, we'll you know like I um, I'll wear a, a Black Lives Matter hat or I'll wear a shirt that has like you know that has like uh, you know a rain a rainbow flag on it it's like we you know we're saying it with our music but we're also saying it with like i'm saying it with my body and like what with the stuff that i'm you know yeah. that i'm putting out there you're a walking um, billboard man you're, you're showing people what you think i like that yeah and you know that's uh i think that's just sort of the way maybe the way it is these days well and and the one thing i mean this is kind of getting off track but you know how you've heard people all the time, like Robert De Niro or Glenn Close or Meryl Streep or someone will say something at an award show. And then everybody's on, you know, Facebook and telling all their friends, like they they're rich. They don't have a right to say anything. They should keep out of politics. Just do your job. Just be an actor. But then every day I have to read every dipshit I went to high school with their racist stuff on Facebook. It's like, their soapbox is the is the Oscars. Your soapbox is your Facebook status. I just I wish people wouldn't be hypocrites, you know. Yeah, and just be like you know everyone is everyone's entitled to say what they want to say. It's like so Meryl Streep can't say what she wants to say, but yet you can. Yeah, like and is, it, is it? You drive you, know, you drive a truck. She's won Oscars, so you can say what you want, but she can't say what she wants. Yeah, I think there's there's probably some there there's other issues at play there where it's like. um yeah i think and that's the hard that's the hard part too because that, that that's a, it's such a um it's hard to meet people where they're going to listen to you and i think a lot of people are on uh are on facebook and twitter and i mean i am there too and it's uh, we're all just trying to figure out how to live with each other and and yeah. share these opinions and it's uh i don't know it's hard and then you got you know <laughs> then you got russia coming and giving us all this propaganda <laughs> 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 no, like I, I hear, I listen to a lot of podcasts and like Joe Rogan or someone the other day was talking about how you think of a product and then like 10 minutes later you see an ad for it on your Facebook. But man, that that's real shit. <laughs> it's, oh, it's absolutely true. Like, I mean, the band was just talking about this app called Cameo that I had never heard of. Dude, I, like, I, I, I used that for my wife's birthday. I got Alan Stone to send her a video. Oh, that's rad. I, yeah. um. We're we're buddies with Alan Stone. Like uh, his guitar player lives in Nashville, Trevor. And uh, well, I tell you what, I paid him to say happy birthday to my wife. So you should help me get him on the show. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll send him a note. Um, oh, dude, she would freak out. She'd have to be my my co-host. She loves him. Oh, that's rad. Yeah, he's a he's a sweet dude. I love. Um, that song brown eyed lover that they put oh, yeah, out yeah that is so good like i love his stuff and i follow him on instagram and he just seems like the, like flea like the nicest dude ever yeah yeah it does and he's got like he's got a genuine like deep soul grin you know they like that dude is tapped into something that i want to be tapped into and uh, 
but yeah, I, 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 but I hear you like where I like, I searched that cameo thing and then now I'm getting served ads on Instagram Oh yeah, uh, from that. And it's like, in a way I'm like, I guess if, if I get served the right kind of ads, I'm not so mad at it, but at the yeah. same time it's, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's like privacy is out the window. It's like, I, I don't know if I, like, I don't, I'm curious about like what our children's generation will think about. Like if privacy is, it, it's like, where they're like, what is that? Like, I don't. I mean, you yeah, know. it's it's starting to go away. I mean, I I've often thought about tra- doing like a VPN thing. So like they, you know, if you I, when I lived in Jamaica for a while, if you don't know what a VPN is, most people probably know what it is. You probably do too. But uh, I lived in Jamaica and I wanted to watch something on Netflix, and I couldn't do Netflix because I they, they don't service Jamaica, so I had to get a VPN so it looked like I was in like Detroit. <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and I know that there's there's ways around certain things, but as far as like you have a Google account, you have an Instagram account, you have all these things that are kind of tied together. So yeah, like as soon as I search anything, like the other day, I we were ordering from Outback Steakhouse and I wanted to go to the menu because we were doing, you know, curbside service at Outback. And today on Facebook, I got like nine Outback ads. Like I just <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to know what's there every day I sign on to my freaking Facebook page. Yeah, I mean you a blooming onion is in your future, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll get off this tangent, but I love the fact that you're going on these tangents with me. That's kind of what this podcast is about. But uh I was wondering, you know, this is that one time on tour. Do you have any crazy tour story you can tell? Sometimes people prepare stuff or sometimes I just kind of spring it on them. So do you got anything you could tell us? Um I mean, there was one time we were, um, this was something, uh, we were driving overnight between, uh, Los Angeles and San Francisco. And I think we were going through Los Banos. Oh, I've been through there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah. drive, yeah, there's that place, uh, that, uh, all the cows are out there and that cow ranch or whatever yes. that smells really, really bad. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's weird how like the country is very big and you can have these, like I've been past these cows before. Oh yeah. Yeah. You talk about um, that drive from LA to San Francisco, man. I'm sure we've stopped at all the same places. <laughs> yeah, it's where you're like, I've been in this truck stop four times. Oh, definitely. And I and I live three thousand miles from here. Have you ever been to uh, Carl's Corner, Texas, the truck stop that actually bought the town, and now it's called Carl's Corner, Texas? Carl's no, I mean Texas is like which part of Texas is that in? I we always used to stop there on our way out west. So I think it's before you get to West Texas, and it gets kind of kind of, you know, nothingness of out there before you hit El Paso, but it's down, I'm thinking maybe, maybe down South somewhere around San Antonio, but yeah, there's a guy who had a truck stop called Carl's corner and he ended up incorporating the area around it because there were enough people that live there and they named the town that. So now it's a truck stop and an actual town that has a post office called Carl's corner, Texas. That's great. Okay. It looks like it's between if I'm finding the right one between Dallas and Austin and, okay, yeah. and, and uh, later this year, I'm playing both those cities. So I'm You're gonna, do you got to stop there, dude. They've got like, yeah. on they've got this wall of fame, all the like bands that have stopped there on tour, like Willie Nelson and like all these like signed oh, eight by tens and stuff. It's really cool. That's rad. Um, well, I'm going to try to do that. Um, <laughs> try to go to Carl's corner, but uh, we're driving through Los Banos and this is uh early days so we were in a 40 conoline e350 van oh, yeah I've, I've owned cool. a couple of those in the day, back yeah. in the day. <laughs> yes ours was named bernie because it was a, a like a we, uh the 
Hold just says the siblings' parents bought it at an auction because it had been uh, burned for someone trying to get insurance money from it. Um, anyway, so we're driving and it's late at night. I'm in the very back of the um, the van, and then Mike, um, the drummer, is driving and just starts screaming. <laughs> and like, I wake up and there's like these huge, like seems like eighteen wheeler lights just bearing down on us through the driver's side. And Mike is like on the road, kind of on the shoulder, and we and we're towing a trailer and. Uh, I would say, okay, cool. I'm dying. We're going to hit an 18 wheeler. And then the lights are coming at us and then they just go straight up and, uh, and go over us. And like, and then it, it circles around and like passes by us again. And like, we are totally convinced that it was just like, it was a UFO. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cause we, or like, or some sort of like early, I mean, this was way before drones were popular and like, some sort of like it. remote control plane or something. Yeah, like who who was like goosing us and like uh and you know I we would see it fly straight up and like you what I would think would happen would be like a plane would stall out and then just crash and blow up and was I was totally expecting to see some big plume of fire behind us but never did. I mean that's uh that's sort of the weirdest thing. Um, <laughs> so to this day things. you don't know what it was so it could have been a UFO. Yeah, and I feel like people, and we did Google Los Banos, California, and, you know, people have reported, uh, you know, there's maybe, you know, UFO sightings there. So that's, to me, that's like one of the top um, most, like, bizarre things that's yeah. ever happened to us on the road. That's 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 a good story, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, hey, I have a, a listener question, if you wouldn't mind. No, not at all. Okay, so Chris from Illinois, he wants to know, what is your dream venue to play and why? Um, I guess this would be, this could be, you know, a place you haven't played yet, or it could be a place you've already played if you've played your dream venue. Gosh. Well, I mean, I would say, uh, Red Rocks. Would <laughs> that's, be one. that's everybody's. I love Red I like, Rocks so much. I was like, yeah, it's like Red Rocks, uh, the gorge. Um, like we played a festival out there, but we were on like the alternate stage and, uh, it's just an amazing, it's like a place where you're like, this is, this is magic. Well, yeah, the, um, the gorge is that big, like natural amphitheater. It's sort of reminiscent of red rocks. It's just a little bit on a, like a wider scale kind of, right? Yeah. And with a huge, like, like river, like, uh, just this amazing, um, I did the work tour a couple times out there. It's, it's beautiful, man. Yeah. It's rad. And it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, yeah, and people, totally. and people, people don't mind driving there. I think there. And then, um, I feel like the Hollywood bowl in LA just seems oh, like, that'd be awesome. You know, that's just another one where like, we've like, we've never played these places, but, um, I would love it. And, uh, that's just, I mean, in Wembley stadium, I don't know. <laughs> that'd be great. That's, yeah. That's I've seen a lot of music, you know, DVDs and like, or, uh, Royal Albert hall, like the killers have a, a live DVD from there. That is, uh, I've watched a lot. It's rad. So that's, th those are my dream places. Um, awesome. Well, hey, man, I, I've loved having you on the show today. I'd, I'd like to know what is in the future. I know you guys have some dates posted up on your website. So what's happening in the next, you know, six months to a year for the band? Six months. The next six months, we are um, we're, we're going on tour to the to the West Coast through through Den, uh, Colorado. And then we'll do the whole like left coast and back through Texas. And then uh, we'll have a. Uh, a new single hopefully out during that time. And then also in, uh, in March we will be releasing our first independent record, uh, ever. And, uh, and you know, 
hopefully a lot of more fun stuff with that. So that's, that's what's, what's coming up. Any plans to go overseas anytime soon? Uh, no, no plans right now. Uh, that's something that we want to do and we have done. Um, but we, we just, uh, I don't, I don't know. I think we've, we've got a little bit more, uh, you know, behind the scenes, I guess, business work to do to, uh, to get up there. Cause we're, we're such a big band. There's, there's six of us and then, you know, um, fit are on stage yeah. and sometimes, sometimes seven. So then that we're, we're, we're traveling circus of about nine or 10. And, uh, it, it takes a lot of, uh, you know, takes a lot of cheddar to get us over there. Yeah, totally, man. Well, Hey man, uh, what are the socials for the band and yourself? If you want to give it a plug so people can check you out. Uh, thanks. The socials are, uh, it's Delta Ray R A E. And that's just at Delta Ray on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then, uh, my Instagram is really dumb. It's, it's my your, your it's, name backwards, right? It's, it's my name backwards. So it's, <laughs> I, everyone says that it's Nostromi Tanarg. So it's just <laughs> awful, but it's the same thing on Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, and Facebook. I'll make yeah. sure to put it in the show notes so people can check it out. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't want to torture them with me spelling my name backwards. Well, hey, and I also saw just like a couple months ago or whatever you guys played in Kokomo, Indiana. That's only like an hour from my house. I wish I would have known I would have been over there. I, I, oh, I missed it somehow. Oh, well, that was such a cool like town festival. And we're, um, we're friends with uh, T.A. Weber, who I guess puts that on. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, he, he does. Well, they have they sell speakers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he um he he gave us an amp a couple of years ago that's really beautiful. Has like ornate woodworking on the front of it. They're like, he's like, here, I'd like for you guys to have this. And I'm like, this is beautiful. I don't want to hurt it. <laughs> that's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe uh, next time you come through Indiana, we can get together and hang out or something. Absolutely, man. I'll I'll be in touch. Cool. And hey, I tell you what, man. Tell Alan Stone how great this podcast is. Let's help me get him on here. <laughs> Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll work my angle through Trevor and see what, see what kind of magic I can work. Okay. Grant, I just want to thank you once again for being on the show. I've had a blast talking to you and, uh, I will talk to you soon. Have a great day. Okay. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you, Chris. Thanks a lot, man. Bye. All right. Bye. And there it was my conversation with Mr. Grant Emerson of the awesome band Delta Ray. Make sure to check them out. They're going to have some new stuff up very, very soon. Uh, with all that money they got from the Kickstarter, they, they, they better have some stuff out pretty soon. But uh, thank you guys for coming back week in and week out. It means a lot to me. And we're going to keep rolling next week. Next week on the program, I got to sit down with Mr. Bradley Bell, keyboardist extraordinaire from Chiodos. Do you guys remember Chiodos? They were massive. They Great band, man. We uh, I remember Warp Tour 2009. Craig uh, Owens, the singer of Chiodos, actually got up and did an Atari song with us on the main stage. It was a lot of fun. You can probably find that on YouTube if you search it out. Atari's Chiodos, I don't know. But uh, yeah, next week on the program, I get to sit down with Mr. Bradley Bell from Chiodos. So make sure to come back for that. Make sure to check out all my sponsors, Talking Props, the band at the beginning of the show, Merge4.com, Permanence Tattoo Gallery, Become a patron, patreon.com forward slash TOTOT podcast. Leave us a review, subscribe, rate, whatever you want to do. It helps us gain visibility on all of the platforms for all of the podcasts. And we want to take over the world with this podcast. So thank you guys very much. I appreciate the support. Please listen to another episode. We've got 69 other episodes. So I'm going to get out of here. I feel horrible. And uh, I'm going to play some music. This song is called If I Loved You. It's by Delta Ray. 
This is the song that Mr. Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac actually played on, and we talked about it in the podcast. So, you guys, I will see you next week. This is Chris signing off, and here it is, If I Loved You, by Delta Ray. Chris out.
Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. 